ask me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governor of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Samballot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall, well and the dung gate examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get there and to get through. So I went up the valley by night examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing their work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began to do this work. But when the Samballot, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. It's okay to have affection. I wish you could stay, but I do like to see you go. What? What you talking about, girl? Don't you get started. Oh, you're going to turn me down on this number one thing under here. Um, Listen, when God tells you to do something, you just got to change gears. It's okay. It's been over a year since this thing's been up here. And and it it, it might set back down, and we might set back down. We're just going to mix it up, and we're okay with that because we're not stuck by something. And if you were offended by this, you got to check yourself. Why ain't he up there doing that? And what's funny is, God told me to speak today, 
and I called my mom last night because I was wrestling with it because I know what we've been digging in. I called my mom, I talked to my wife, and I talked to Josh, and all three of them said, good, because God didn't give me anything. He told, he told me not to write nothing down. I said, That's, I know why, because <laughs> I have to take this today. And it's amazing what God does when you just stay obedient and follow after him in all the footsteps and all that he has for you. So Nehemiah, this guy, this guy just comes up into the scene. This week we're talking about uh, perseverance. Perseverance to continue despite difficulties. Perseverance is, is something that sometimes we lack. Perseverance is, uh, you can see it. To have grit, you have to have it. So what we've been doing, if you're new here, welcome home. We've been digging in this thing called grit. To have grit, to, to make Christ known in the glory of his name, you have to have grit. To call yourself a Christian, you have to have grit. To think you're going to move a mountain that are up on these <laughs> platforms, you got to have some grit. you got to dig in. But how do you have it? First, we talked about determination, and we talked about courage. You need to go online and check these out. And I don't know if you know this or not, but anywhere podcasts are, we are. If you're on Spotify, Remnant Church is on Spotify. If you're on Amazon Music, Remnant Church is on Amazon Music. If you're on iTunes, Remnant Church is on iTunes. So there's no excuse not to keep track of what is going on here in this house. And uh, it's amazing what God is doing. Perseverance. To continue to do despite difficulties. You're going to hear me say this a lot today. Can we agree on one thing? That we are living in such a me society. Is that true? It's all about me. My feelings, my needs, what I want, what I feel. You didn't treat me right. Everything is about me. And when two me's get together and get married, you got a mess. <laughs> the me syndrome goes on and on. And people never evolve into becoming who they should be become because they never get living beyond themselves. They never live beyond themselves because of the me syndrome. I don't know if you've worked with somebody like that, but you seriously cannot work with somebody with the me syndrome. It, it, you probably can for a minute, but it won't last long. Because the moment they get their feelings hurt, they lost their mission. Because they got their feelings hurt. They're not dependable because they get their feelings hurt. <laughs> they lose their calling because they get their feelings hurt. We live in a society where everything is about me. What I can get out of it all. I can't be loyal because it's about me. I can't be dependable because it's about me. I have gifts I want to use, but I don't want to put in the work because it's about me. I have a job, but I might bounce to this other job because it's about me. I say I'm committed, but I can't keep it because it's about me. 
We have to get rid of the me syndrome. It is literally killing us. It is killing the workplace. I don't know if you saw the paper and all the jobs that are available and nobody's wanting to work. Amen. Anybody else see that? And oh, I need money. I need. <laughs> what was it before? I need my Obama phone. And now it's, I need my stimulus. And they, there is a generation that don't, they don't want to grit at all. Have any grit in their life. They'll work the bare minimum and, and quit so they can draw off of it and not do one thing. There are jobs begging people to work and nobody wants to work. Why? Because they're focused on me. We have Nehemiah. He's neither a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a king. He's just a guy doing a job, a nine to five. Or whatever the case is. He's just doing a job. He has no importance in those other areas. Nehemiah was born during the captivity, during the Babylon captivity. Babylon took, took over Jerusalem, took over Israel, and destroyed it. The people of Israel had to keep reminding themselves of God's promises so they did not forget it between generations. They were in captivity and they had to keep going and reminding and reminding. Babylon had ripped them away from their home. And you know there's a, there's a quote out there that says, you reap what you sow. Babylon destroyed Israel and now Babylon is being overtaken by Persian. The Persian army destroyed Babylon. Basically the same way Babylon destroyed Israel. You reap what you sow. Now the Babylons, they're out of power. The children of Israel have been released to go back home to their land, to their homeland, and some of them stayed. Nehemiah was one that stayed. He now works for the Persian king. And sometimes you question that. Why didn't you go home? Why did you stay when you could go home? He stayed and now works. It wasn't just him. There was a handful of people that stayed and now works for the Persian king. Nehemiah is a cupbearer. One job, oh, that's all he's got. I got a bottle of water. I don't even have a cup. I got to drink this. I'm like a camp. That's all he does. If the king's thirsty, you hand him the cup. But it's just not that easy. Nehemiah, his job was so serious that he was on the edge of death every single day. On the edge of death every day. Nehemiah is used to it. Because on the edge of death, the cupbearer had the taste to drink to make sure it was safe before he handed it to the king. So there was this trust factor with, with the cupbearer and the king. Nehemiah is used to danger. See, one way to kill somebody in leadership, and especially back then with all of that, was to poison them. Instead of creating a huge war and trying to get into the kingdom and have this huge fight, they will find somebody within there, poison them, and kill the king off. Kill off the leadership. So the cupbearer's job was when he was thirsty, he had to taste the wine, taste whatever he was drinking, before he handed it to the king. 
So this man was constantly on the edge of death. He had perseverance in his life. No matter what the danger was, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to do this job fully. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want that job. I wouldn't want that job. I'll give it to an animal. I'd be like, if the animal dies, you ain't drinking it, Keen. We're good. Get the dog bowl. But he had to drink it. And if he was good, the king was good. We have a cupbearer. It's the craziest thing because every time the king wanted a drink, he had to have a drink first. Whether he wanted a drink or not, whether he was full or not, he had to drink it. Your destiny is hidden in your history. If you go back in your life, you will see certain things that prepared you for where you are right now. Nehemiah faced death every day. Every morning he would wake up knowing that could be his last day. He was already beginning to have the roots of perseverance, being a cupbearer. Because if someone poisoned the king, it would cost Nehemiah his life. There, are, there were already seeds of selflessness planted in his life early on. Did you hear me? There were already seeds of selflessness planted early on in his life. Parents, moms, dads, aunties, all of you, hear me. If you don't plant quality in your kids, don't plan on reaping quality in, as adults. Don't plan on reaping it as adults. If you don't pl plan on seeding determination and courage and perseverance, don't plan on reaping that as adults. If you don't plant the seeds of selflessness, Helping them understand that everything's not about you or what you want. You know how kids get sometimes. I want this. No, I said you're getting this. But how many times do we give in? I want that. No. And then sometimes where it gives in at is more publicly than anything else. Because you know Walmart and all those crazy stores put those things in those aisles on purpose while you're waiting on the Lord. I want a sucker, no. No, I want it now. <laughs> I want a sucker. Okay, just get a sucker to shut up. <laughs> but we give in. And they are becoming selfish because your lack of discipline. Because we gave in. And so when we see that, when they become adults, they start acting it even more. I know sometimes this seems petty, but it's all the root work that's going to make a difference later. We have to. Helping them realize the whole world doesn't evolve around their wishes. I know we want to take care of our kids. But who's the boss? Who's the grown person? You got boss babies and people think it's funny. They rule your life and you look goofy. 
the reality of that is, is we're seeding that and it's not growing into something that is going to help sustain them. It's going to grow into something that's going to separate them from people. Man, man, oh man. I, the reason divorce is so rampant these days is because the whole world evolves around their wishes. And after they don't find someone who evolves around their wishes, they're ready to get out. Because they're not willing to live beyond themselves. Where is perseverance to continue despite the difficulties? Where is the perseverance to continue despite the difficulties? Here's a few questions to think about. What are you doing that is beyond you right now? Listen, I'm not here to bring your joy down. I'm not here to take the, the air out of your sail, deflate your balloon, whatever you want to call it. But think about it. What are you doing that's beyond you? What would people lose if they lost you? How are you affecting the life of somebody other than yourself? And yours. Yourself and yours and no more. When God gives you a gift, do you think he just gave it for you? See me, notice me. Don't you want to get to know me? Whatever God gave you, he gave it to you to affect somebody else beyond you. Nehemiah was learning to live with persistence, to continue despite the difficulties. Having the grit beyond himself. Having the grit beyond himself in his life. He understood you have to have persistence to be a cupbearer. You have to have grit to be a cupbearer, to live beyond yourself. See, why he decided to stay behind and, go, and not go back to Israel and go back to Jerusalem, he did not lose compassion for Jerusalem. Even though he didn't go back, he still didn't lose the compassion. What's crazy, we read chapter 2, but if you go back and in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, someone came to him. Someone came up to him and was having a conversation with him. Have you heard what has gone on back home? Everybody's living there. The whole place is in ruins. There's no walls. There's no gates. They've been burned up in fire. Everything has collapsed. They're barely surviving. This is a conversation he has back in chapter 1 with somebody. Have you heard? And the craziest part is the person that told him walks away. Just want to let you know. Have you heard? Nehemiah couldn't get out of his head what he had heard. And he really honestly felt like he was supposed to do something about what he's heard. I started thinking about this. Isn't this the craziest thing? That two people can be exposed to the same information. It bothers one, but it doesn't bother the other person at all. 
I guess like someone living in a messy house or a messy room, having a messy room. Some people are happy with the messy room and do not care, but others, it drives them crazy if it's messy. Others are tore up by the mess. It drives them bonkers. The same two people exposed to the same thing. One has an issue with it and one doesn't care. The thing that drives you crazy are the things you have the power to change. If it doesn't drive you crazy, you won't change it. You'll just be content in doing whatever or just living however because it don't drive you crazy enough to make changes. Nehemiah, it drove him nuts. No, they're, they're back home struggling. Are you kidding me? If you're being, if you've been looking for your purpose, a lot of people do this. They're looking, what's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to do with myself? A great place to start is look at your passions. Not just the ones you like, but the ones you don't like. What you can't stand is a clue. Not that, not that they should do something about it, but that you should do something about it. I can't stand, you know, we all have that conversation. I can't stand, can you believe, blah, blah, I can't believe this is, not that you think they should. It's an indicator that you need to do something about it. What are you doing about it? Nehemiah had to do nothing with this situation, honestly. He didn't have to do anything. Nehemiah was set for life. He's the cupbearer. He works for the king. He was set. His clothes were set. His lifestyle was set. He lived close to the king because the king always had to have a drink. He was set for life. But it says in the Bible when we read that Nehemiah goes on a fast. Nehemiah starts to fast because he's worried about something bigger than who he is. And he starts to get persistent with it. So I, I have to go on a fast. Let me tell you something real quick. When you start to have a passion for something and you're getting worried about something, instead of acting first, go on a fast first. Seek the Lord first on it. So he goes on a fast. It doesn't matter how old you are, what, what stage of life that you're in. Until you worry about something bigger than you, you haven't lived yet. Until your prayer life is gone beyond you and your four and no more, you haven't lived yet. You're not an intercessor. You're not a prayer warrior when it's all about you. Well, I'm on the intercessory prayer team. Okay. All I've heard is about you. See, people don't like that because it... it, it the spoon I carry sometimes stirs religion. People get uneasy about it. <laughs> you still got that spoon in your purse? We're whooping butts. Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Just stir it up. Nehemiah was troubled when other people were comfortable. You want to know what makes people great is when you are troubled with something that makes other people comfortable. 
There are too many times people are okay with maintaining and doing anything, not really doing anything, and being comfortable doing that. No perseverance. And that's troubling. Like it's troubling to know that sometimes, no matter what, what kind of job, and you see stuff, and you're comfortable with not doing nothing about it. That's just what it is. I just got to go on my day. What moves you? What do you value? What will you put yourself at risk for? You have to have perseverance to have grit. Nehemiah was troubled. He was upset. He was disturbed in his spirit. Now it's gone to a point where he goes before the king and the king says, you're not sick, but why do you look so sad? What troubles you to a point where it's noticeable now? What troubles you to a point where you become, it becomes so noticeable? That you can't do anything else besides inside your soul, but it's just got you in a spot. We're living in a society today that is not troubled about anything. Are we going to be real about that? Society is not troubled by anything. They don't care to have perseverance, to do something that's despite the difficulties. They don't care to do that. Too many times people stop at the difficulties so they don't have perseverance because difficulties causes them to stop and like, ah, I don't want to worry about that. I don't want to deal with that. I'll let somebody else deal with that. They are not troubled with the hundreds of thousands of people that have died. You know how many people have died in the last year and are around the world and there's so many people not troubled by it at all? They don't have a perseverance, don't have perseverance to do something despite the difficulties. But they rather pick up the phone and video the scene so they can capture the moment instead of changing the outcome. You know how many people pick up the phone and video a fight or somebody having a seizure or somebody's got a neck on, a knee on a neck and don't do nothing? I'm just telling you right now, and I, it was sad how that all went down, and I'm here talking about all that stuff, but it's, it was wrong. But I couldn't stand there videoing. My butt would be tackling a cop. Hate to say it, but I would. If you can't breathe, why are we doing that? Now I'm going to be hated on social media. Whatever. But the reality is too many people. I saw a wreck on 5th Street and, and Wabash. It happened in a moment, and this kid videoed the whole thing. Girls laid out in the car. I'm in the 5th Street Nutrition trying to get my my thing going and I saw it I left all my stuff and I went outside and he's videoing laughing and I'm like what are you doing what are you doing he's like oh. I was like you don't care go what did I do open the car door laid her back grabbed her neck make sure it stayed steady are you okay are you bleeding Is, you got any problems and he videoed me all the way driving his car oh man if I was in my flesh I would have want to yank him out of the car you okay? Oh, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> but see, I can't live in the flesh. I have to live by the Spirit and keep moving forward. 
Too many times. Too many times people do not care. They'd rather, they rather not put in the work, not something that bothers them. They'd rather video it. Have a scene happen and watch how many people pull out their phone instead of acting and doing something about it. Amen. Too many times. Too many. Too many people have died. And they're comfortable with it. Somebody might have a seizure and they can't move, but well, can't be late for work. Got to keep driving. Got to keep walking. Somebody falls in her. Well, got to just keep going. I better get off that or I'll be on it all day. It's, it's too bad. Nehemiah was touched to a point of action. That's where he's at with it. A point of action. Don't tell me you care if you can't back it up with what you do. Don't tell me. It's time to see a correlation with what you care about and being about it. You're not just looking to yourself. You're looking to others. Perseverance is what needs to grip you so you can move forward. See, to have true grit, you have to get out of the cage of complacency and then get some perseverance about yourself. So Nehemiah goes before the king, and the king notices his demeanor was different. And the Bible says he was afraid. His demeanor was different. He said that he was definitely afraid because, listen, he had every right to be afraid. Because history talks about this particular king had killed his brother to get the position of being king. This king didn't mess around. This king killed his own brother so he can have, his own, have the position of king. So he was afraid, like, oh, this could go two different ways here. And the king asked, he said, why do you look so sad? This could not be nothing but sadness of heart. In that moment, you realize that Nehemiah had been positioned in this moment for a purpose. That this moment is about to happen that's going to change everything. And if I, could just, if I could just tell you that you might just be at a job just to be at a job or a company, but God has positioned you for a purpose wherever you are right now. Wherever you're working, whatever you do in your life, God has positioned you in that purpose for this moment right now. In that moment. See, you can't be moved by money. You, you can't be moved by a better city because you don't like the one you're living in. Oh, terrible hope. Oh, this. If I just get out of here, I'm going to have a better life because there's nicer people there. No. You can't be moved by these things. You can't be moved because somebody else gets on your nerves. You have to realize God has put you there for a purpose. And as a Christian, it's just not about you. It's the God in you for others. The truth. But too many times we live in this me syndrome that it's about me. But when you realize and you say, I am a Christian, I've asked Christ to come into my heart, you take on that responsibility to realize it's not about you. It's about the God in you for others. And too many times we forget that. We live a different way. God didn't put Nehemiah there to be the, the cupbearer, but he put him there to be an influencer. 
And what's crazy is Nehemiah knew how to talk to the king. He said, king, live forever. That's how we started the conversation. Live forever, king. He knew how to approach the king. See, perseverance helps reach purpose. God planted Nehemiah right there. Because God knew that he needed a man on, that was going to be on the inside. And that, that there was going to be a moment that was going to come where perseverance was going to take over. Nehemiah said, how can I be happy when my land of my ancestors lays in ruins and in its suffering? How can I be happy about that? See, he had to say ancestors because he never really been there. Nehemiah's tore up about his land that he's never been because he was born in captivity. But he still had respect from where he came from. Too many times people lose respect from where they come from and forget who they are. Man. God gave him favor with the king. He had perseverance. Perseverance is going to give you favor. Look what has happened to this church. This church right here. Despite the difficulties that we faced, we have had favor with businesses and companies that we did not know. Because we said yes. Because something bothered us. And we said, we're going to go out here and make a difference in this community. And guess what happened when you said it? Favor happened. Stuff happened. Business are jumping on board. And they hear about Remnant Church. And some people are hating. They're like, man, you're always on the news. That's not necessarily all my fault, but it doesn't matter. As long as Jesus gets the glory, I don't care what happens. Put me on the news. Put me on any talk show. Put me on. It doesn't matter because we're going to keep pointing people to Jesus. People have nothing better to do but think about themselves. <laughs> Sometimes God will give you more favor from people you, you're not even related to than the ones you are. Did you hear me on that? Because sometimes that's, tr that's some tricky stuff. God will give you more favor with non-relatives than you have relatives. Because sometimes relatives, they, it, there's, there's kind of this thing. But my prayer is this, that, listen, if we're family, it's about the kingdom of God, let's go. Let's put our differences aside and let's go. Let's get going. Just because you don't have resources, does, just because you don't have the resources or, or the wood to build, <laughs> or just because you don't have the degree to get it done, God will use somebody to bless you. Anybody. Nehemiah didn't give up and say, well, can't do anything about it because I don't have any money. You know, they're, they're in ruins over there. I've never been there. It's my ancestors. I've heard about it. We've kept it alive in our spirits. But I, I, what am I going to do? That's an entire city with all the walls broken down and all the doorways and all the gates broken down. I don't have no money. Well, I could. But he had perseverance Des, despite the difficulties. 
Nehemiah himself did not have any money. But can I say something that's... God will fund your vision with his provision, though. We're walking proof of it. God gave Nehemiah the vision and also gave him access to the provision. Perseverance ran through his veins. And then the king asked, what do you want? Sometimes the hardest question to answer when you're a self-reliant person, when you've only had to fight for yourself. Some have been in some bad situations where you've only had to live and you've had to do it yourself. It's hard to answer that question. What do you want? But look at who's asking. Look who's asking this question. The king. See, the king is used to talking big talk. The king is used to talking at a different level. The king has a different mindset. I remember reading this story a long time ago. And it was about the king of Saudi Arabia, Arabia, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and this professional golfer in America, that this king was doing a kind of like this tournament and wanted to invite him, this golfer, to come and play. It'd be nice to have one of the best golfers come over and play in this tournament. So they flew him in, did his thing, and on his way out, as he was in the, the king's private jet, he said, let me, let me give you something. He said, no, you've done enough. The hospitality's been outrageous. It's been crazy. He said, what do you want? He said, I don't want anything. I've, I've, I am content and happy where I'm at. And you, don't, you know, you just don't, you don't argue with the king. Try arguing with God, see how that works for you. And he's like, okay, listen, I collect golf clubs. I have a couple with me. I have them hanging on the wall. He said, okay, went home. And he said on his way home, he was just so excited. He's like, man, I bet it's solid gold. And I got that handle that's got that thing wrapped around. It's going to be nice. It's going to have a good balance to it. He said he waited weeks for it. And he said weeks went by and nothing. And then he got a package in the mail. And it said from the king, Saudi Arabia. And he's like, what the heck is this? And he opens it up. And it's a deed to a 500-acre golf club. See, the king's mindset is way different than our mindset. So when you ask, don't, don't hesitate to ask. The mindset of how they roll and how we roll is way different. But man, if you realize you're a child of the king, of the most high, why do we settle ourselves so low in the things? When we, he's our daddy. Why do we settle? Uh, uh. See, favor brings you to a table you didn't buy. Perseverance creates favor. Favor puts you in front of people you could never meet on your own. Living proof. It gives you this unearned, undeserved access to a realm of influence. Nehemiah couldn't get an appointment with the king just being Nehemiah, just being him by himself without being a cupboard. There was no possible way. Like, 
I need to ask you a question, Keen. There's no way. You know how many rules and stuff to just to get in the lobby where he's up in the other place? Just to step foot within his gates? No way. See, it's time to have some perseverance despite the difficulties so you can go before the king. What is it going to take for you to live your life with purpose? What is it going to take? What is it going to take to have grit in your life? Do you know what you want? Are you just complaining? What do you want? See, what's crazy about the king, the king is used to solving problems. When you have somebody in that kind of authority, they're problem solvers. They get stuff done. The king said, what do you want? Nehemiah's first reaction was, I got to pray. He did not answer the king without praying. Quick life lesson, real quick. Before you make any decision, pray about it. For real. Because we can just throw all kinds of random stuff down. And then he answered, if it pleases the king, if your servant has been found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can help rebuild the walls. Then the king and the queen sitting beside each other ask him, how long will you be gone? What are you going to take? When are you going to get back? And it says it pleased the king, so he sent him. It pleased him, and then he sent him. So he gave him, you ready for this? So the king gives him time off. He's bothered by, he's giving him a drink, he sees it on his face, and the king notices it, he wants to have a conversation about it. Like, one, at first, if you're the cupbearer and you got something going on with your face, are you getting poisoned? Am I going to die if I drink this? And he said, no, hold on, that's, a, that's, that's sadness of heart. And when he exposed it and he says it because he asked, what do you want? Are you willing to say what you want? So he gives him time off and Nehemiah doesn't stop there. Because perseverance starts setting in despite the difficulties he's facing just being in front of the king. So he asked for letters from the governors so that they can provide safe conduct and passage till he, till he gets home. Then not only that, he asked for soldiers. The king's soldiers. Can I have some of the soldiers to take on the journey? And then not only that, he says, okay, well, if I'm going to ask for that, so I'm going to need some wood. So I'm going to need to get some wood from you. I need to go over to your royal forest and tear down a bunch of trees because I got to rebuild these gates. Now, going back home and trying to figure out how to rebuild is devastating and it's crazy. But if you're in a position when you face the king and he asks you one question, you might just get all the resources you want if you open your mouth and say it. Basically telling the king he needs him to underwrite his vision. Listen, church, somebody's got what you need. Somebody's got the security you need. Somebody's got the help you need. Somebody's got everything you need. It's time to get some perseverance. It's time to get grit about yourself. 
This guy, Nehemiah, who was a servant in the house, ends up, hear me, a servant, didn't have any position of, of authority, ends up with security, letters from the king, access to his forest. He got enough wood to rebuild the gates that had been set on fire, and the king flipped the bill and his salary, even gave him money. And by the way, not only that, he said, if I got to go there and I got to rebuild and take all this time, I'm going to need a little more wood to build my house. And the king flipped the bill and built him a house also. So he built his house too. Perseverance, church. If God asks you, what do you want? Do you have an answer? Some of you don't even know how much you need. Oh, I need some money. I'll give you a dollar. Okay, here's a dollar. Oh, that ain't going to be enough. What do you want? What do you want? I don't even think you realize how far in debt you are. What do you want? If you had, if you were before the king, before somebody that money wasn't an option, they said, what do you want? In that moment, do you have an answer of where you are? Maybe you need to this week. Go home and rack up all your bills. Rack up for real. Because it's going to give you an evaluation of everything going on in your life. But what do you want? What do you want? I need money. That doesn't cut it. Get right to the core of what you want. He's like, I need the wood for that. I need you to build me a house. I need security. I need your letter of passage. I need, and he gave him everything he wanted. What do you want? Nehemiah knew the only reason the king was being nice to him, and this is where it's at right here. The only reason he's being nice is because the gracious hand of God is on me. The king granted my request. I feel like at Remnant Church, the gracious hand of God is on this place. And we keep seeing things unfold that don't make any sense at all. What do you want? And what's funny about the wood thing, we built mountains here. Because I'm ignorant enough to put on a display of like, let's do this. I want to climb up this one. But don't test me. I'll jump up in there. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing. Across the street, they had piles of wood that were just sitting there. And I said, I'm just going to ask. He's like, you can take all the wood you want. It would have been thousands and thousands of dollars to build this. Thousands of dollars. Now, like, like 7,000, 8,000 because of two by fours, like eight bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. But see, when you ask, you can receive. What do you want? What do you want? When you have perseverance, you realize you're at the hand of God and he's with you. When the hand of God is on your life, he will make your enemies your footstool. When the hand of God is on your life, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. What do you want? Nehemiah knew that the grace that was extended to him by the king came from God, not the king. See, God is going to use other people to bless you. God is not going to use other people to bless you when your vision's only about you, though. God's not going to give you the king's ransom when all you want is about you. 
See, Nehemiah had, a, had this thing with the king, having this conversation, but think about what he wanted. One thing that he wanted was his house. That was after asking about building an entire city. He was blessed because he wasn't thinking about himself. He did something that was bigger than him. See, here's what's crazy. Wherever vision goes, provision follows. Wherever vision goes, provision follows. See, you might have a vision. You might in yourself have vision for God to do something great and these great visions, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. See, but if you would just look over your shoulder, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Provision is just right over your shoulder. God's, here's what's crazy. You're sitting here right now, but I'm telling you right now, God's already made a way. You just don't realize the trees are growing just for you to cut them down. He's already made the way. It's already in transit. It's already growing so that you can use what you need. They're waiting for you. All the stuff in this world is stored up for the kingdom. It's just for the taking. But you've got to have some persistence and perseverance and, and have determination and get the courage to do it. It's time to grit. Is this good? You guys, we good? I'm almost done. I know your mama's hungry. You want your steak and roast and stuff. Mm. Jesus. What's crazy is the thing that, uh, the thing, he was dealing with this cup and this wine because that's one big problem. But the next problem is dealing with a den of thieves. One problem dealing with the cup and wine. A different problem dealing with the king, the, the, these thieves, these den of thieves. And see, God was taking him to the next level. And God wants to take you to the next level. Amen? Yeah, but don't amen too fast because every time you go to the next level, you go to the next devil. Right. <laughs> see, you have to have determination. You have to have courage. You have to have per persistence and perseverance to get to the next level. See, you can't, I know this seems simple, but sometimes we forget about this. You can't get more without getting more. Let me say it again. You can't get more without getting more. More house means more payments. <laughs> more insurance, more taxes more problems, more breakdowns. You can't get more without getting more. See, you can't get more of what you want if you're not prepared to deal with the more that you don't want. Because when more is more, you're going to get more in all areas. Even at this place, we were in a storefront and we took on this building. It was, we were all excited. But what is it? More payment. More air. More electricity. You see what I'm saying? There, it just comes with the price. But you've got to be willing to be okay with that too. You're going to have to deal with that too. More is more. If you get a bigger car, guess what happens? You're going to have to get more gas. Put more oil in it. 
doesn't take the standard amount. You have to buy more. And you wonder why these fiery trials come upon you because you got more. See, to whom much is given, much is required. More means more. You can't have much and give little required. More is more. So now he has to go right to the enemy's camp. One man fighting for an entire nation. The walls have been broken down. Everything is in ruins. There's a system with the gates. They serve a purpose. They were all destroyed. And if you go in and read about this and understand, there, there is a reason why there's a sheep gate and a dung gate and all these gates. They all served a purpose. It says Nehemiah rested three days because the, to get there was pretty hectic. He had perseverance to get there. By night, see, the guards were asleep, but Nehemiah snuck away from his security to go by himself to inspect the wall. See, you know what the problem is? Your walls have laid in ruins because of the lack of perseverance. They, they couldn't build it. They didn't, despite the difficulty, they gave up. The Bible says that like a city in, in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city that walls are broken, broken down without walls, like a city that's broken down without walls, leaving it unprotected is a person who has no self-control over their spirit and sets themselves up for trouble. And you wonder why things are going on in your life. Basically, you're as helpless as a city with broken down defenses. You're open for attack. If you can't control you, and listen, it's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're evil or wicked. It says that your walls are, are torn down. What is a city without walls in a Bible? See, the walls were a defense. The walls were to protect. The walls were to help. It actually defined who you were. It defined your boundaries. Go try to get ready to buy a house. The realtor's gonna look first at the barrier and see what is yours. See, boundaries are what you do. Let me say it again. Boundaries are, are not what you do. Boundaries are what you won't do. We, sometimes we get it mixed up, and I almost got it mixed up saying it. Oh, I got boundaries. It's the only thing I'm going to do. No, no. Boundaries are what you won't do. And the problem is, is you've lost your boundaries. That's how they climbed into your life. Your walls were down. That's, why you, that's how you lost your money. Your walls were down. That's why you've gone through so many friendships and you want to blame everybody else because your walls are down. You keep fighting with your past because your walls are down. Your walls determine your strength. 
Because the enemy doesn't want you to have perseverance because it starts to build back walls. He don't want you to do that. A person that cannot control his own spirit, cannot control his own tongue, cannot control their anger is like a city without walls. Nehemiah teaches us that it's not only dangerous to lose your walls, when your walls, when you lose your walls, anything can get in and anything can get out. What is accessing you? About to land this bird. What is accessing you? Let me say it. What is it? Think about this stuff. What accesses you? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it doubt? Is it depression? Is it moodiness? Are you hostile? Intimidation? Insecurity? See, you didn't inherit that. All these things, and there's a lot more of that list, but you did not inherit that. You got it because your walls were down. Oh, I inherited No, your walls were down. What did you let in? Oh, I got anger issues. That's just because how this was in the past. No. You let it in. Your walls were down. Have some perseverance and build the walls back up. See, boundaries are important. You can have a friend, but you have to have boundaries. And if you don't have boundaries, your friendship won't work. Because most of the time, the friendship is based on what you want out of it and how you want to control it, and there's no boundaries. If you don't have boundaries, it will not work. I'm telling you right now, and if you're in a, in a friendship like this, if you do not put boundaries on your friendship, your, bound, your friendships will not last. I promise. They won't because if there's no boundaries, then everything's going to get eventually to a place where you're frustrated, irritated, and it eventually will just fade away because you can't even be around them anymore. You can eat, but you have to have boundaries. If not, it'll get the best of you and cause your health to have problems. See, and any area you're being defeated... You're being defeated because you have no boundaries. And your walls are down. See, the Horonites and the Ammonites, all those officials came over because their walls, see, listen, they were taking advantage of Jerusalem because their walls were down. So they were doing whatever they wanted to do because, you know, Jerusalem was crazy. And when they got defeated, it was like everybody's in. Everybody can do what they want. Because their walls were. See, what's taking advantage of you because your walls are down? How did your walls get tore down? How did your walls get tore down? Here's some examples. You know that last big fight you had? That tears your walls down. That last emotional state you were in? That tears your walls down. The last report you got from the doctor, it tears your walls down. That last loved one that passed away, it starts to tear your walls down. That last 
relationship that fell apart, it tears your walls down. Now Israel has come back home and they're back worshiping and they built the temple and they're praising God. But hear me, this, they're living. They're, they built the temple. The walls are all down. They're trying to live. It's a mess. But they're still praising God. But hear me, they're praising God with no walls, no boundaries, no protection. And it's, it's a mirror image of today that we, we tear walls down. And walls, we don't have the perseverance to move through it and to build them back up. We tear them down and then we act and we're, we're trying to get God. And I'm not saying that you're not and, and that you don't love Jesus. But you're easily attacked and easily influenced by the wrong thing because your walls are down. They wanted to worship the king. They wanted to build it. But they like, I'll build the temple, but the wall, we're just going to do it this way. That way is not going to work. It's going to destroy you because the walls are down. See, brick by brick, God's going to help you rebuild the walls. God's going to help you. See, here's the thing. If you're broke with nothing and now you have something and you're still broke, it's not about the amount you were given. It's about you not having walls. That might have to sink in for a minute. Be like, I never really had money, but then when I had money, it always slipped out of my hands. It's because your walls are down. You have no boundaries. The enemy wants to come in, and other things want to come in. See, when you build walls, guess what happens? You resist the urge. You develop discipline. And when you develop discipline, God starts to pour out a blessing that you have no room for, which is amazing. If you don't learn to, how to put walls up, listen, I'll, I'll say it like this. I'll put it back on this. If we did not learn how to have walls in the storefront, we wouldn't be able to have walls on this property. Because it will follow you. If you don't build them, they will continue. Well, when I get there, I'm going to start putting walls up. When I get through this, I'm going to start putting walls up. Then you've already set in your mind that it's going to take forever to do anything you want to do because you're lazy, not determined, and you just, you're selfish. One more time, it's not about you. It is about God in you for others. Man. See, hell gets nervous when you start talking about this stuff perseverance building walls because the only way he can access you is if your walls are torn down isn't there a scripture in the bible that talks about a hedge of protection some kind of wall nehemiah goes out at night and views the city this is amazing nehemiah sneaks away like he would have been a navy seal like this guy's this guy's that guy Ride some horse or donkey or something, so I guess he wasn't that stealthy. Goes and views the city at night. Goes around and looks at it and sees all the stuff and looks at where the gates were. And then it says that some places he couldn't get to because the, the passage was blocked because of how it's just been destroyed. It's in ruins. He goes and views. See, he was persistent to do whatever it took to look for himself not having anybody else's opinion. He didn't take a crew with him like, let's go look at this. 
He didn't take anybody with him. Nobody else validating him for this. No one else encouraging or discouraging what he might be doing. See, look, a lot of them didn't know. This dude came with a load of stuff, and they had no clue yet. So he's doing all this looking. But he goes by himself, just him and the Lord. Not with everybody else in his ear and telling him this ain't going to work or this might work. He just has to have a moment by himself with God. Basically what happened is he was doing a damage assessment. You ever see that after a storm and all the other stuff that goes on? The damage assessment of what just happened, what can be what? To be replaced, restored, or salvaged. See, here's, I'm ending with this right here. You guys can stand with me because I'm, I'm done with this. I don't care how old you are in this room or even watching online. This right here, what I'm about to tell you, this is the real deal. At your age in this moment, let's, let's do a damage assessment for your own life. Do a damage assessment for yourself. For yourself. You see it all over social media. Self-care. Everybody taking that time to have self-care. And listen, I'm not bashing self-care. I think it is important. I think the problem is, though, that they spend too much time on the outward instead of the inward. Because we can just have self-care and, like, get my toes done. Me, you know, I'm going to have self-care doing this and somebody doing self-care. But I'm telling you, sometimes we neglect the stuff, the damage assessment inside our soul. And that self-care is more important than anything else you will do. Because whatever you do on the outside and, oh, go see Brooke, get her the nails done. She's going to charge you a good price, which she does. She does a great job. But that is only going to do something great for you in a moment on the outside. You need to do a damage assessment from the inside out to really see and know Nehemiah is running around this city in the middle of the night by himself with him and God and doing a damage assessment of what needs to happen, how this needs to go. Oh, that one's really bad. I don't know if I can even save that. We're going to tear that back down. You have to do a damage assessment. It's important. And here's the reality. Don't live in denial with it. Let's not call wrong right and right wrong. Perseverance to continue despite difficulty. God wants you to have perseverance today. Having perseverance even in the difficulties of your own self. What's stopping you from moving forward? What's stopping you from moving forward? How many times do you do something else than get into the Word of God? How many times do you do something else than spend time with God? What stops you? How can your ministry explode when you're underfunding it with your attention? When you don't even give it enough attention to do the things you want to do that God's given you to do. You underfund it by just not giving it enough attention. We all have something to work on. 
Listen, I'll just be real. We all got something to work on. I'm all jacked up trying to go to the gym, sweating to death, can't breathe, don't even know if I'm lifting right or doing it right. But for my own personal life, losing three necks, going down to one and a half, for my own personal life, I had to, I had to do a damage assessment for myself. I mean, I'm just being real about it. If I want to put myself on the block, I had to. This is just for my life. I had to do a damage assessment for my own body and my health. It didn't matter what everybody else said or how I should do it or I need to be careful. We shouldn't eat that or do that. I was already past the point because my body was jacked up and I stress ate. I did everything completely crazy. But when I had to do it and I had to have this damage assessment and look deep down inside myself in this, this area, there's other areas, absolutely. But I had to be honest with myself. It did not matter what everybody said. I think that's why Nehemiah went and, and did a damage assessment all by himself because he didn't want to have everybody else's opinion. Listen, you don't have to have everybody's opinion about what you're dealing with. You know between you and God. It didn't even matter what they think my motives were and how I fasted and how I prayed and how I worked out and how I lost weight. It's not up to them. It's not up to them if I did it wrong or right, if I fasted right or wrong, if I had motives or no motives. I had to do what I felt was best. It was the leading of God in my personal life. Everybody has an opinion. I had to do a damage assessment. And for me, when I observed it, I had to fast, I had to pray, I had to work out. I had to build my walls, and I'm still doing it. That's just one little area that I want to put myself out there. What wall do you need to build in order to accomplish your purpose? Nehemiah did a damage assessment, and then he started to build the walls. That's my prayer for you today. I would say this on the side note, next week's going to be crazy because we're going to go into part two of this. And we're going to dig in this, I promise. It's going to be awesome. But I, I want you to take the time. Go, go read this, Nehemiah. Go read chapter one through four. Now chapter, I'll, let me just be real about it. Chapter three, chapter three is crazy because it's got all kinds of crazy names. You might want it to read to you because some of those names I can't even sound out. They wild. But it talks about how they built and then the reality is, why is your walls down? What are you doing to create the boundaries? What's going on? Damage assessment where you look deep down inside and look at that. And you have to start physically building. You have to start knowing that in yourself, it's time to build. It's time to do that. Quit being selfish. Get past all of that. Because God wants you and he wants to use you and he has a purpose for you. Because Nehemiah wasn't just a cupbearer. He was in a position to do something that had influence. And the king flipped the bill. And what was crazy is the people were worshiping. We come and worship all the time. But are your walls down while you're worshiping? And you wonder why you're going through hell every week? Do you come in here dragging? Start building your walls. Do a dam damage assessment. What is it? You got anger problems? Let's start building the walls up. 
So you can have boundaries. Whatever it is in any part of your life. Perseverance. Doing something despite difficulties. We're going to start building the walls. I'm going to do a damage. You know a damage assessment for your personal self. Looking in the mirror is hard to do. You have to have perseverance to do that. For real. In all areas. I'm going to pray. And I want you to go and think about this stuff. And next week we're going to dig into this. And we're going to challenge. And we're just going to, we're going to do this perseverance part two. With this story. As they start to rebuild. He did the damage assessment. And then guess what? They start building. Do it for real though. For real. Don't, don't lack off on it. Just like, uh, do it for real. What is it? What, what are those areas in my life that I'm losing? I want to build. And one more thing. What's the king say? What do you want? Know what you want. Know what you want. It's going to take like $275,000 to pay off this building. That's what I want. I'm going to pay this building off in five years. That's what I want. Why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Somebody already got the money for it. Why not? What do you got? Huh? How much? What? Oh. What did I say? 275000 It's 245000 Nine or 863 cents. That's the balance on this building. I ain't got nothing to hide. We're the church. We all do this together. We're the church. The ending balance, $245,800.63. What do I want? $245,800.63. Cause one of these days I'm gonna put a bonfire and we're gonna burn that deed, burn that all up, burn that payment thing up. You know what I'm saying? Like we're gonna burn it all up. But why can't it happen? Why can't you look at your bills and look at the things in your life and say, this is what I want, God. Why can't you make the vision plain in your life and write it down and have goals and start writing them down? Because the provision's right there. The trees are growing right now for what you need. This is where we are. What's crazy, guys, this was way more than that. And let's just be real. Listen, God put us in a crazy spot. We didn't even pay $300,000 for this property that's worth $3 million. Because he's so good. He's so good. Just walk in that. Walk in the favor of God. Walk in that. You have it. God, we thank you for this. This day. Perseverance. Despite the difficulties. We gotta just have you, God. It's gotta be wrapped around you. God, you got us in a position for a reason. We might be frustrated with where we are right now, but we... You are reminding us that you have a purpose while we're there and it's not about us. That we have to rethink our thoughts because it's not about us. And build the walls that keep tearing down and create the boundaries. God, we thank you for what you've done today. God, we thank you for all these mothers and all their sacrifices and all their hard work and who they are. We're so thankful for it. God, I pray you be with us this week and let us seriously start doing the damage assessment. So when we come back next week, we're ready to start building, building, and building. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.